0: receive it believe it and walk in it while we were yet sinners he loved us and gave himself for us isn't it great to know that we don't have to earn his love in fact we can't earn his love we can't be good enough our righteousness is as filthy rags we can't give enough. We can't sing enough. We can't preach enough. There ain't one thing that we can do enough of, and that's trust and obey, believe and receive. Be obedient to the cross. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We're going to be here a while tonight. That's why they gave it to me so early. <coughs> Lock the doors, ushers. I spoke roughly a year ago about the Beatitudes at the beginning of chapter 5. And I told you then, and I want to remind you now, that the Beatitudes is just a portion or a part of the great Sermon on the Mount. And I want to challenge you to go study the Sermon on the Mount, and in order to do that, you're going to need to include the entire entirety of chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in that, just a quick overview, he gives the Beatitudes. He talks to us about <clears throat> excuse me, the believers are the salt and the light. Christ fulfills the law. He didn't come to do away with it, but to fulfill it. He begins to talk to his disciples and teach them about uh, murder about adultery about marriage and the sanctity and the sacredness of it uh, he begins to deal with them and talk about uh, oaths uh, going a second mile about loving your enemies he talks about doing good to please God not man he gives us the model prayer he, he talks to us about fasting he talks to us about laying up treasures in heaven talks about the body the lamp of the body talks about no man can serve two masters he teaches us about not worrying about stress don't worry he teaches us to not judge he teaches us to keep asking to keep seeking to keep knocking he talks about the narrow way he talks to us about that he would know his by the fruits that they bear are you bearing fruit Then he talks about there'd be some that he'd say, I never knew you. talks to us about being sure that we build upon a rock, being a wise man and a foolish man and being sure that we're built on the rock. But I'd like to talk to you for just a few moments. Tonight I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 and then I'm going to drop down and read 14, 15, 16. It's important to notice that in these three chapters... The only two verses that are written in black are verse 1 and 2. And the rest of all of chapter 5, 6, and 7 is written in red. It's just Jesus talking to his disciples. But in verse 1 it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, then he gets be the Beatitudes there. Now let's drop down to verse 13. Talking to the believers. You are the salt of the earth. Salt, by the way, is a preserver. It's a preserver. Remember how they, in the olden days, they used to, to salt cure their meats and stuff to preserve it. So you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Keep in mind that light is a revealer. Light is a guide. Light is an illuminator. Light dispels darkness. Might I add that Jesus is the light of the world. that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight. We're not going to be here probably over 10 minutes because the word that the Lord has put in my heart is not a message to be preached, but it's a message to exhort you the body of Christ with. One of the Cowboy translations translation says, Let us spur one another on unto good works with love. King James, push it this way. Let us remind each other of those things that we ought to do. Okay, so tonight I just want to do a a reminder, a refresher course, so to speak, about being salt and about being light. I want us to remember the fact that each of us, regardless of our age or the color of our skin or the economic status that we have, each of us have a sphere of influence. We have a group of people that we have influence upon. And I want us to begin to embrace the fact that when we get up in the morning and try to sound spiritual and religious and all of that, we're always quick to say, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Honey, where's my coffee? (laughs) We become religious. Without meaning to, we slip into that game of our lips praising him, but our heart being far from him. And God wants more than lip service. He wants us every day to rise up recognizing that truly this is the day that the Lord hath made. And I not only am going to rejoice in it, but I'm going to seek him as to what he would have me do today that can be a light that shines in darkness. I want to enter each day knowing that my life has purpose. Your life has purpose. We're not to just meander along with que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. No, sir. There is a destiny for each of us every day. It may be just a word of kindness, a word of encouragement, a word of hope. It may be that we pray with a waitress. It may it may be that we tip the guy who totes our groceries out at the grocery store. I don't know how it comes and how God will use you because it happens in so many different ways. That's are unexpected, but I want you to know this. If you're a Christian filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, you'll recognize when that Holy Spirit bumps you and says, Hey, take a minute. Time out. Slow down. I'm about to use you. And then you'll give an ear. Or you'll give a word. Or you'll give a hug. Or you'll slip them a few bucks. That's my car. I ain't going to let you drive that truck. But, but however the Lord chooses to work wants to work. So you being light that reveals, that illuminates that guides that's a daily deal. That's a daily deal. We don't just serve or we shouldn't just serve God some of the time. It's an all the time thing. And now I want you to begin to let your mind roam for just a moment while listening with me. I believe you can must multitask. What is your sphere of influence at school, at work, at home, with the kids, with the grandkids, with friends, with golfing buddies, with hunting buddies, with roping buddies, with barrel racing buddies? What's your sphere of influence? And how would you grade your paper? You see notice here it says let your light so shine before men that they may see that they may see your good works and glorify your father. Don't you know the word says this that your life is a living epistle known and read of all men. They're reading the pages of your life every day whether you realize it or not. I tell the men when I do pre-marriage counseling. God's word says, and don't, ladies, don't get mad at me. This is God's word. I didn't say that. I just delivered it, okay? And men love to hear this part when I say, God's word says, you're the head of the home. Yeah. yeah. Till I begin to tell them what God expects that goes with that. Now, while man is the head of the home, we all know the woman is the neck that turns the head. Yeah. Correct. So I tell them the gentlemen, the men, I say, look, God's word says that you are the spiritual covering of your home. Like it or not, whether you apply yourself or don't, you are the spiritual covering of your home. You are supposed to regulate, govern, What kind of spirits come into that home? And it better be an intentional thing to see to it that it's a right spirit, a godly spirit, a pure spirit, a holy spirit. Because if you don't do that, then what happens? Wrong spirits come. Negative spirits come. Evil spirits come. And whose fault is it? Mine. The man's. You don't have to do anything, gentlemen. And you're still being the spiritual covering of your home. You're being lousy at it. And you're allowing wrong things to come in. Now, we're to love our wives. This is. Christ has the church and to be willing to give our life if necessary for her I ain't going to get into all the submitting stuff I got to go home with Glenda here in a little while but I want to just remind you quickly of a few illustrations from the Bible as to how we can influence people so easily you remember Peter just got up and simply said like Marvin Pastor Marvin does he goes I'm going fishing and the rest of the disciples that were with him says we're going too sound like Uncle Buddy or Duke you see how just how we can influence people I'm going fishing Well, I'm going too What about Delilah? When Samson laid his head in her lap. You talk about a haircut of all haircuts. But see, she influenced him. She began to repeatedly entice him and try to find out where in his great strength lie. I don't remember who I was talking to. I believe it was Pam and Terry Pipes. Last week, uh, I don't believe that Samson was this big Herculean guy that Hollywood portrays him to be. I don't believe that. Now, I can't back it up scripturally. But I believe had he been one of those big guys that they'd have just thought, man, he's big, he's strong. But when he'd take those gates of the city and walk off with them, when he killed the lions, when he did all these incredible feats of great strength, he had them bewildered because... They look at him and saw him just as an ordinary guy like them, and they're going, How does he do that? I can't do that. Can you do that? How does he do that? But anyway, God had told him one thing Don't tell anybody wherein your great strength lies. Yet he laid his head in Delilah's lap, and she had an influence upon him that the end result uh, before too long was. He disobeyed God, got his hair cut, got his eyes gouged out, was being mocked at the wine press. Was a slave. Because of re-influence. Now I'm not going to let the story in there. You know the rest of it. How he, his hair began to grow and he repented. And God used him in his last day on earth to destroy more of the enemy than he ever had before. What about just a crowd of people? how they have influence. You remember when Pontius Pilate wanted to let Jesus go. And the crowd was, he just knew that if he gave them a choice between Barabbas, a famous murderer, evil man, that or Jesus, that they would release Jesus. But they said, give us Barabbas! And he was influenced by a crowd and You know the rest of the story, how he tied Jesus to the post and beat him unmercifully. And he wound up on that hill, Skeeter sang about a minute ago. Just because of the influence of a crowd. What about Jesus? You remember he was at a well and a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And his disciples had gone into town to provide buy provisions and Jesus got in this dialogue with this woman and he began to tell her a little bit about her story and how she'd had five husbands and the one that she was with now wasn't her husband and he told her basically, he says, you know, if you drink of this water you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I have to give you'll never thirst again and He influenced her to the point that she says, give me this water. And she became a believer and she went back to town and she began to try to influence her friends and acquaintances and whoever she came in contact with. And she says, come, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. And it didn't matter. He loved me anyway. Yes, Jesus has that influence on us. That the Spirit of God comes and knocks on the door of our heart and he tugs at us to repent and turn to him and make things right. And I want to share with you a, a painting that I saw one time. A lot of you possibly have seen it. A, it's a cowboy and he's walking out of the farmhouse going out to the barn and snows everywhere and he's carrying his feed bucket and he's going out there to feed. And no doubt to break ice on the water so they can drink. And behind him is his little boy, training real hard to try to keep in his daddy's steps. Mothers, fathers, you got children that are watching how you live, how you behave, how you talk, how you respond. What kind of influence are you having? Now I'm going to come gut level clean and honest with you. I have a lot of regrets in life just like all of us do. But the two biggest regrets that I have in my life. Number one is that I didn't surrender my life to Jesus years before I did. Or it would have saved me so much heartache and pain and undoubtedly a lot of money. And secondly, and it haunted me for a long, long time, the negative impact that I had on so many people's lives that I called friends, people that I would be instrumental in taking them down a wrong road and getting them involved in wrong things. Thank God that's the old man. Thank the Lord that he's forgiven me from that. But tonight just simply receive this challenge, this exhortation tonight to not just meander through life, but to live life with a purpose. Live life intentionally to glorify God and to impress the people that you're around in a good way because you are the light of the world. Let them see goodness in you because it's the goodness of God that causes men to repentance. It's not the hell, fire, and judgment. That'll come and that's a certainty. But it's the goodness of God that causes men to repentance. Let them see a good God, a faithful God, a trustworthy God, a powerful God, a loving God in you and through your life. Would you bow your heads You're here in this place today. And you say, Dennis, I'll tell you straight up. I've been guilty of just living life one day at a time, not really even thinking about what was going on. But tonight I want to get refocused. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. But I want to begin to be more sensitive to the voice of the Lord, more open and willing At the opportunities that God would bring my way to impact people's life and influence people's lives in a positive way. And that I want to take more seriously every day that I have left on this earth. That I will live my life in a way that people see my good works and they see God in them. If that's you, could I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere. Yes, hands going up all over this place. And maybe you're here tonight and you say, Dennis, I'm not one of those. I'm lost as a goose in a snowstorm. If I were to die tonight on my way home from this church, I'd go to hell. I'm not judging you. I'm asking you to judge yourself. But that's what you'd say to yourself if you were being honest. And tonight, you say, I'm tired of living the way that I am. I'm tired of living hopeless." And thinking that if this is all life is, just existing. I I, I can't live like this anymore. But tonight you recognize that there is a God that truly loves you. And he died for you on that hill called Mount Calvary. And tonight you'd like to ask him to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you. And come into your life and be your Savior and Lord. You can do that right where you sit. Anybody here, you'd say, Dennis, that's me. Would you lift up your hand and let me see it very quickly? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Very quickly. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Very quickly. Thank you, sir. Look up here at me.